Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. As always, great to be with you. Appreciate that. Uh, last week we ended with this topic. I didn't think it would become an even bigger topic this week, but we'll start with it for those who are earlier morning listeners and may not have heard your comments. What could you tell us uh, uh, about your impressions uh, regarding the episode of Kanye this week? Well, I think that there are various aspects to it that uh, don't get much discussion. I mean, obviously, because he's a celebrity and he uh, has a huge following and got tens of thousands of supportive messages uh, following his outrageous anti-Semitic rants and they have to be described for what they are. This is not a questionable thing where somebody slipped a uh, slip of the tongue where he's consistently reiterated his uh, anti-Semitic, uh, hateful views, Jew, Jew hatred uh, spewing from him. And, you know, this influences the millions who follow him and who uh, listen to him. And I think especially young people. So we can't just dismiss this as another incident and those who, who would argue, and I do in some cases too, believe that, you know, we don't pick up every fight and we don't uh, pursue it. I think the message to many will be clear that if you engage in true hatred, there will be a price to pay. Too many others did not pay a price for their anti-Semitism, but here the decision of Adidas and many of the other companies to sever their ties with him is a very important signal. I think secondly, it, certainly brings the debate and the uh, issue to the forefront and those who, who still try to minimize the danger, I think uh, through him have come to realize it, although I think that the threat on campuses and other places should have made them aware and should have aroused the concern and, and reaction when we see the United Nations engaging in blatant anti-Semitism with a commission of inquiry that run by people who have made anti-Semitic comments and anti-Israel comments. It's um, it, in the, the rampant nature of, of anti-Semitism today that the, this case has brought it to the fore. I think that, um, you know, we don't know what the net effect of it is. And I listen to some of the talk shows and the call-ins, and you hear people reacting on both sides of the issue, but a lot who justify him and who then I heard uh, <clears throat> somebody who I think is sympathetic generally saying, well, there is a group in in California of agents who happen to be Jewish, but you don't blame all the Jews for it, but they are Jewish. And, I mean, such ridiculous uh, comments tell us that we have a more fundamental problem, and I think he has just brought it to the fore. What do you think the proper uh, governmental uh, and um, citizen response should have been to the sign um, uh, plastered on an overpass in Los Angeles. Do you think the the reaction to that act was uh, sufficient? Look, <clears throat> until we root it out and until we get to those not only who engage in it but who are behind it, this is a group that is engaged in, I think it's called the Gallium Defense League, uh, right. who have been engaged in these kind of activities for a long time. They are protected by free speech to a degree, but when it comes to incitement, when it comes to uh, fomenting hatred and violence, potential violence, then they cross the line. But did you so hear this, about any reaction from out there? Did you hear anything about local officials or Jewish community leaders? Like, I'm just curious if you, because obviously we're 3,000 miles away, I'm just curious if you heard about any reaction to it. 
I did not hear of specific reactions except that it was publicized and it was highlighted. And right. there were, yes, there were some comments where they said that when, when you see um, white anti-Semites joining a black anti-Semite to support a black anti-Semite, though they hate blacks in other instances. They hate everybody, uh, right? They hate everybody, exactly. They do. Um, so those comments were made. But, you know, what, what the danger is, and you know that I've said this for many years, is that we keep raising the bar on what we will tolerate, that we are the ones who give license because, as we did in Mitzrayim, we kept saying more bricks and, and accepting the, the restrictions that uh, Paro was uh, imposing. And it was on, only when we said no more, we're not going to take it anymore, then HaKadosh Baruch said, now you're ready to be redeemed because you got to be free psychologically before you're free physically. And we become enslaved to some of these things and we begin to accept it and at, at higher and higher levels saying, well, it's not as bad as, and it's not, that's why the Ben and Jerry's fight wasn't the most serious issue in the world. Um, whether, you know, they could sell the certain brand of ice cream right. in, in the territories, but it was a, a message. It was, you got to draw the line and whether it's corporate America, whether it's academic America, whether it's the United Nations, we just have to draw the line and say no more. We would not, <clears throat> we did this against the Soviet Union in the seventies and we do, we must do it today. And we, we will, we must show that we will not tolerate it, that we will hold our elected officials accountable, the police accountable, that when incidents occur and you have hundreds of incidents and one prosecution, one prosecution, guys spend one night in jail for all of these events. That's, there's something really wrong with that. Um, I'll move on in a second. I just want to say one other thing. I'm curious if you agree. Uh, the the uh, our community especially the youth in our community has gotten better at engaging regarding these issues on social media but i think sometimes we have to remind people in our community that the battleground is not always online with him with a celebrity like him it might be much more effective online frankly because you know he's in the middle he's the center of attention of the entire social media sphere but you know there are times when you know local action and hitting the streets and speaking to public officials and making your voice heard especially those you know rabbinic leaders and governmental leaders out there where where that old style old fashioned uh, system still needs to be implemented. That's why I asked specifically about the reaction out there. Well, <clears throat> what is the reaction to the New York Times after their blasphemous articles against yeshivas, which can be criticized, but not in the way that they're doing it, right. and the singling out and the constant harping on this thing, which re which does create a reaction, and people who read it, well, it's the New York Times said it, yeah. which is already evidence that it's not true, but that's a harder case to make. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you're right. You know what? We have to name and shame. And people don't want to be labeled. And I think we have to be very careful who we call an anti-Semite. I heard one commentator on a, a major station in New York, a talk station, and uh, somebody who I don't think is, I think he's friendly to Jews and his comments are always good, but very tolerant on this issue. All of a sudden he starts giving these long uh, expositions about well, Kanye West, without one word of condemnation, without one word of of uh, rebuke, he not that he condoned it, but but if you don't condemn it, and you start making it an academic discussion, should he be? Should his music be banned? Should this be banned? Should that be banned? That, that already changes the whole nature of the reaction, and you yeah. you 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 modify it when instead. I think what happened with the business community and others uh, that 
uh, isolated him and, and even at great cost. And I think Adidas does deserve some of the reaction. I know there's one yeshiva that is uh, collecting money to buy Adidas products to give <laughs> to poor people. Wow, interesting. But it is a message. Um, and, and also, by the way, the you know we have to understand that in a 24-hour news cycle, the speed with which this you know went viral, went international, was running rampant, and the reaction to it, etc. You know, if 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 uh, if uh, dangerous episodes to the Jewish community, you know, took days, weeks, months, or years to materialize in the past, we now see how quickly it could happen. It's in nanoseconds. So Hitler months to spread the big lie. Yep. Today, because of the internet, it's nanoseconds, and once it's out there, you can't you can't repeal it. You can't call it back. You can erase this that particular message, maybe, but the it's indelible. It's there, and it remains. And the poison is in the system, and we see it now. And and you see the reaction to Jewish candidates around the country. Have reported increased anti-Semitic uh, responses and, and reactions. Uh, at the same time, there are Jewish candidates in places where there are very few Jews. So it's a, it's it's not a blanket condemnation of American society, but the tolerance of intolerance and the and the and specifically when it comes to Jew hatred, is something that should be of concern to everybody. And we have to act on it by legislating, by condemning, by shaming, by publicly in, uh, enlisting the support of other groups towards that end. Malcolm Holmline is with us. What do we think of uh, United Kingdom's brand new Prime Minister Rishi Sunak? He's, uh, um, it's a remarkable development because they, they're trying to compete with Israel to have as many Prime Ministers <laughs> in a short period of time as possible but the, he is a, he is pro-Israel he's very good relationship with the Jewish community, very smart uh, comes from a, a very successful Indian family and um, now we have to give him a chance and see how he succeeds. But but he is somebody who may just open an embassy in Jerusalem. That'll be oh, that's right because he's made statements in the past about it. That's right. They own the land. You know, Britain owns the land in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, this should be interesting. Although we know how many candidates in the United States made that pledge over the years and never followed through, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if he actually follows through. I forgot he had a statement in his past like that, uh, pro moving the uh, the embassy. Um, so, okay, we've alluded to it already. We know there's a big day in Israel on Tuesday, and that's Election Day. Uh, they don't have early voting there, right? Or do they? Do, we, do they have early voting there like we have here now? I don't even know. But No, only only for diplomats abroad uh-huh. can vote, uh, and there's no absentee ballot. Oh, that's there's right. No... People always flew back from here to go vote. Right. That's right. So the first uh, one to vote was the ambassador in New Zealand who put out a picture. <laughs> he, he voted on a Saturday night, which was already the next day every, in, in New Zealand. But they, they, they're the only ones who voted. I wonder, I wonder who was winning after he cast his ballot. Um, so it's uh, it's funny. You know, deadlock here. Everyone's talking about the Senate and the House and uh, you know, how close things are. Obviously, deadlock in Israel. I don't know if today things look any more likely that anybody could form a government. Depends who you read. You know, BB's forming a government. He's got six. And the left has made, you know, uh, uh, arrangements before Tuesday's uh, election behind the scenes, and they're going to be able to form a majority. Is there any way to predict what's going to happen Tuesday? Right now, no. I think any intelligent observer uh, has to be skeptical because the people tradition is that the polls are usually considerably off. And as much as they're professional, they show trends. But right now, when it's so close, uh, you know, that would, uh, some of the parties 
shooting up in numbers. People, when they go into the booth, though, they often reconsider how they're going to vote. It's true here, too. Right. But Especially I think, you, you know, it's it's if most people say to me that the outcome will be a sixth election, uh, that would be very regrettable. And there's no reason to believe that, you know, doing something different and, and ex, you know, the same thing over and over right. again, expecting a different outcome is the definition of, of insanity. Well, it's insane to believe that another election is going to make a difference. So I think it's going to depend on the turnout. The latest uh, reports are that 70% of the Arabs say they're going to vote. That will be a big difference. We have to see what the turnout is in uh, certain areas to see what the the, the um, impact will be of smaller parties, whether they make the threshold or not. And will the Ben-Gvir-Smutrich party really end up with uh, 12, 13, 14 seats is, is all up in the air and you know i mean it's funny i was discussing on the air that you know we we won't be on the air uh discussing uh, the weekly update next week because i'll be at my future son-in-law's ufruf please god but i don't even know the value of discussing things after the election next week because the likelihood is that somebody whether it's netanyahu lapid or whoever is going to be granted permission at some point to start forming a government by the president, and then this whole dance will begin. So those who think that Tuesday night or Wednesday morning we're going to have a clue as to what's going to you know be happening in terms of the political future in Israel, that's unrealistic. Oh, of course. And first of all, until they finish the count, right. and with all the, the, the soldiers and, and when it's very close election, those those votes loom large you you will see a trend you you will get a, an idea pretty quickly uh if there is something that goes counter to the polls meaning that there's a surge for netanyahu a surge for lapid somebody uh Gantz does better than people think uh, and therefore the whole negotiations process will be a very different one as to who has leverage so uh you're right and and uh, the president i think has a week or so to to meet with them uh, or actually it's, it's a longer period, but they have a month then to try and form a government. They can extend it then for a little longer. Right. And then, you know, so this, this could drag easily into December uh, before we have a formation. Somebody has a government or we know that nobody has a government. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web and the Nahum Segal Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, so I've heard already, I, I did this as, a, as just for my personal curiosity, because obviously we're reaching way beyond the New York, New Jersey area these days. And I have heard either via email, the app, or WhatsApp from seven different states this morning from different listeners. Just an example of what's going on. And I bring this up because people have to understand in this country that a week from Tuesday is election day here in the United States. We know how tight things are in so many races, in so many states, and our community, no matter where people might be, can make a very big difference. I'll turn to you for the next half a minute, if you don't mind, to remind everybody all around this country that our community can make a major difference in these elections. If you don't vote, don't complain. That's it. If you if you don't make that minimal investment, that gesture of going to the polling booth, and you can do it in many places with early voting. Yep. So no excuse that you're busy that day or you have a wedding or you have something else that day. You, you have to be there. You have to vote. The numbers count. Many of the races will be determined by very small amounts. And, you know, the future direction of the country, whichever way you want it to go, but your voice counts and, and matters. And if we, if in fact, you know, off-year elections are usually determined 
meaning non-presidential years, by a very small number of voters. I anticipate that the turnout will be higher than people think this election, only because, uh, you know, there's a lot of the hype. But the, um, you know, a lot of the races in New York are going to be very close. A lot of the races around the country are going to be very close. And people just have to get out and vote and, and take your kids, educate them, show them the importance in your commitment. And, and um, I hope that uh, people will research before they vote and think about what the consequences of who they're voting for will be. Now's the time to hold the incumbents and uh, and the other candidates, um, hold their feet to the fire, folks, and to hear what they have to say about issues important to us, make a decision, and make a good decision. And remember, everybody around the country, Election Day here in the United States, a week from Tuesday, as Malcolm says, make sure to vote, make your voices heard, tell your uh, family members, friends, everybody, and those rabbinic leaders out there, please remind your congregations about the importance of getting out to the polls. What do we know about the meetings between the leaders of President Herzog and President Biden this week? They went very well. I, I was in Washington. I saw President Herzog, uh, and I actually even saw President Biden when I was at the meetings in the White House. Um, the um, I think that the president, uh, you know, was reciprocating the visit he paid to President Herzog, who gave him the Medal of, um, I don't know, Medal of Honor, I guess. And um, they discussed a number of things. The president has come out and said that he believes the discussions on the JCPOA uh, are are really not happening. And that's the same message that I got from several people in the administration assuring me that there are no negotiations going on right now and that with the events in Iran, the sale of the drones to Russia, the an involvement in the Ukraine uh, conflict, and the uh, as well as the ongoing issues about their nuclear program, that right now there is no basis for, for any talks. And I don't think Iran is, is that interested. They're pursuing other uh, venues and and. Uh, pursuits right now, uh, but the, the the president also, I think, um, uses an opportunity to praise the Lebanon Accord, which was signed this week, right. and, um, you know, it was very warm and fuzzy uh, all around. I was surprised. But there are issues. I was surprised. Raised. I was surprised he brought up the whole Ukraine, the pressure that Israel's under to provide <clears throat> weapons to the Ukraine. Isn't that more the role of the prime minister to talk about <clears throat> foreign policy decisions like that? I don't remember the president ever, uh, the president of Israel ever delving into those types of areas. Am I wrong about that? Have presidents in the past discussed governmental policies on a public stage like that? It's an interesting point, but I think that that uh, the government. Uh, you know what he did, and and he's an activist president. Look right. at his travels; he's yeah. been all over the world. He's been doing things that um, previous presidents didn't necessarily do. But you know that he, he is good at it, and he's he's liked uh, and makes a good presentation. And this issue, I think, was particularly appropriate and timely because of the efforts by people, including uh, Zelensky, at times to criticize Israel and to make demands of Israel and people in the administration saying Israel's not done enough, when in fact Israel has done much more than 99% of the countries in the world. Israel's still a small country. Israel does have Russia on its borders, but but it is now providing uh, very sensitive information and intelligence sharing, so Zelensky made a more positive comment. 
But I, I think it's an unfair in the demand about the Iron Dome and making that the critical issue when, in fact, the Iron Dome is probably not even appropriate because it's made for short-range missiles. And it takes a year to prepare people. You've got to train them. You've got to ship them the equipment. And Israel doesn't have spare things when they're facing Hezbollah and, and uh, Hamas and all the other threats. But beyond that, they also are sending them an early warning system. That's in addition to the nobody else set up hospitals there. And uh, the president makes the point that the, most of the volunteers that you see in in um, in, in, in uh, Ukraine were, were speaking Hebrew because they sent in so many people to help, and they took in thousands, tens of thousands of people from Ukraine, much more than most of the countries that are criticizing it. And I think it's it's really outrageous and and um, that, and damaging when I hear. You know, leading even conservative commentators saying, well, Israel, they should know they suffered a genocide and they should be there. Yes, Israel was there immediately and spent hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, in equipment that was sent. They sent, um, you know, uh, vests, the special vests to protect and, and helmets and other equipment that, uh, you know, for which they get absolutely no credit. And I think the president raising it was important because we need to clarify it. I actually pushed for him to say to, to talk about it. Interesting, because I read it differently. I read it that there's such confusion now as to who the real leader of Israel is, right? Um, nobody can name the prime minister, and nobody knows who's going to be the prime minister now with this election coming up on Tuesday. Uh, there's such a confusion at the top of Israeli politics, Israeli government, that I thought he uses that void uh, to sort of fill that void. He used the opportunity to sort of fill that void and and uh, and, and realize that he has the potential to now you know drift more into governmental policy representing Israel because Israel no, nobody else is taking a real leadership position at this time. That's a very interesting observation, and I wonder how much it really played in in uh, Israel. I mean, it didn't make headlines here that much. It, it, it did make headlines in Israel on the, on the day of the meeting, and um, you know, it got coverage, and he had uh, a bunch of reporters with him. Um, uh, but it's it's not the same thing as often when prime ministers came and there were discussions, in-depth right. discussions on policy issues right. that, you know, really were more were vital. But I do think that it, it helps in terms of Israel's image. He, had, he got invited, as you know, by Schumer and Pelosi to address the joint session of Congress for Israel's 75th anniversary, which will be important. And I think, you know, those are all beneficial aspects. He spoke at the Atlanta Council. He spoke to other groups while he was here. And, and you know, he makes a good impression, and that, that is very valuable right now. Yeah. Did you, uh, were you suspicious of the timing of that invitation with the midterms coming up, or I'm being too cynical? Because it's not going to, that won't happen. The actual speech won't happen, I'm assuming, until the first half of 2023, right? Yeah, that's, it's not, it, I think it was, you know, they had to do something relevant and the president extended invitation and now they extend an invitation. I think the gesture is important that any time an Israeli leader gets a chance to speak to a joint session, it strengthens U.S.-Israel ties. It can become a rallying point and I think highlighting Israel 75 in any way we can is important. Oh, yeah, I agree uh, with that. So, I, I mean, I don't think there's a political payoff so much in this. Yeah, I got that. Um, just, you know, reading more into it than than, than uh, most people do. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the, the lack of leadership, or however you want to paint it, maybe I'm doing being a, a bit too harsh when I say it like that. Um, we see what's happening in Yudan Shomron. 
we see what's happening with attacks in Yerushalayim and other places, and we see that uh, it, it, it doesn't seem to be letting up. And, of course, the other side is now using the, quote-unquote, Israel blockade in Yehudan Shomron, quote-unquote, the Israeli blockade, uh, to try to win points politically around the world. Um, is this, in fact, a, a, a problem with leadership in the, uh, in the state of Israel? Is it because there's an election coming up right now, and often before an election you'll see a rise in violence? How do you view what's happening in this arena? I think it's essential that Israel take the steps necessary to stop early on these kind of assaults. We know what it leads to if you let this cancer grow and you let a group like the, quote, Lion's Den group that now turns itself in because of the pressure that Israel brought to bear. And they went to the PA, four of them at least, but after a number of them have been eliminated or, or caught. Um, they were engaging in constant attacks. No society can, can tolerate that, should tolerate it. And you can't just say because there's an election or, or, you know, people skeptical of it. If, in fact, there is an immediate threat, that has to be addressed regardless of what the calendar uh, says. Are there cynical voices? Of course, but I don't think that that is uh, the case. The, the um, number of incidents that uh, and, and the fact that they were using weapons uh, and escalating it. We know that uh, there's always the threat of another intifada or something of that kind. I don't think uh, the PA wants it. I, I know Israel doesn't want it. And so far, you haven't seen popular support uh, except reaction to, to uh, some of when the troops go into the city. You see uh, people coming and running to the sites of the clashes, but you don't see the, the support as we saw sometimes in the past. And we have to prevent that from happening by nipping it in the bud. Uh, and the enemy, in terms of, you know, often using election time to ramp things up, do you think that that's a big factor now or not? Yeah, that, that, that's I, their intention? I, I don't think it's going to sway the election. I don't, I don't think that it will, but they take advantage always of opportunities like this. They certainly do. Um, Iran is uh, is more in the headlines than than even last week. The protests seem to be getting even larger and larger, and unfortunately, sometimes more deadly in terms of the response to the protests. Do you think that these the demonstrations, these protests, are going to uh, get the Iranian people to the ultimate goal? I do believe they potentially could. It's not. It's going to take time. This is not an instant process when it comes to to, to uh, Iran. But uh, you see already the impact that it's had, that we've had um, Iran, uh, in, in Iran, more than 9 million people have participated in the demonstrations. They're right. taking place in thousands of different locations. It's spreading in the, in the uh, different uh, sectors now, the storekeepers, the, tr- the truck drivers, the schools, the, every day there's another group that joins, and the 40th anniversary was yesterday, um, the 40th anniversary of the, of the killing of the, the woman and the uh, beginning of these demonstrations, and it made tremendous progress. They sustained it much longer and much broader than people thought. It's being done very intelligently. Again, it's not going to be a coup one day with the masses going in there. This is something that has to build up. But we see that the IOGC and many of the soldiers are not willing to join in shooting uh, the people. And when they have, you know, 1,500, 1,800 different places uh, going on at the same time, and you don't have the soldiers to really cover all of them. So there have been uh, reactions. We know that they've arrested uh, 70,000 people. There have been uh, hundreds of people killed. 
but also security forces that have been killed in, in some of the exchanges. People seized about 800, 900 weapons from guards. And uh, it, within the, the level of dissent within the establishment, both the Supreme Leader, the IRGC, other groups, is rising all the time. And it, this is... This is not. Um, this is being done in a very sophisticated way by the by the demonstrators. The West has to get in there and help more Europeans. More sanctions. The U.S. imposed sanctions this week. We have to do much more. We have to name the people, and there are ways we can do it. There is a, there is a GoFundMe page for uh, to help the people, the demonstrators, and others. And people can get it. I will get it to you, and you can give it to people. That there are very important. Uh, this is a very important moment, and what you see, Iran's involvement in Ukraine. You see that what they're doing, um, and not even caring about the negotiations uh, because they they see their their future in other directions, and, and the fact that that we've seen realignments of China, Russia, Iran, uh, North Korea, others. Th- these are not insignificant developments for the future. And Iran is critical in this, and it shows the people of Iran do not support this radical regime, and we have to do more to to um, to support them. Tough to topple a radical regime when they've got the military and they've got security personnel on their side. It's a, it's a tough battle. But not when those people are not willing, many of them are not willing to join in. Many of them are looking at potential war crimes charges and don't want to be named. Many of the Basiji, for instance, they identified them and their families and went and demonstrated, in fact, in front of the parents' home and said, we will hold you to account. And all of a sudden, all those Basijis came home. So they started shifting them to different cities where they thought they wouldn't be identified. But in fact, they still have been able to identify them. And to, you know, they arrested many people uh, all over, but it doesn't diminish it. And they took the 40 women that they said were leaders to to Tehran, and the women said that they're going to be, they might be hung, and they're calling for public uh, response to it. The, um, the, you know, the, 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 the people thought this would dissipate much more. We're not doing enough to stop the oil exports. We should be imposing more and more restrictions uh, and they can bypass it and that still fuels their their uh, the government's uh, activities. Um, and, uh, you know, we just have to see that the um, and that this is a message also because of, for Israel, for the, what they use with the drones, how they can swarm them and Israel has to develop means to counter that as well and are developing swarm um, the drones, meaning that you saturate a place when you know they're around to, to eliminate them. Their drones are almost useless. They're very slow. They're very heavy. They're plotting so that you can shoot them down with you know with rifles when they when they come, but you have to get them, and they do do damage. and And the Russians are, are clearly using them. Is there any member of Congress, House or Senate, that's really keeping the demonstrations, you know, at the forefront uh, in Washington? Is there anybody that's really taken up the cause that you're aware of, or they're just whatever the media is covering? The media is covering. I'm just wondering if they have a fighter in Washington, you know, who's keeping this at the forefront on the agenda. Well, there are members of that Foreign Relations Committee who have been speaking about it pretty regularly. Is there anybody who's championing it? That's a good question. Okay. I have to think about it more. Um, Iraq has approved their, approved their new government. Does this matter? Does it bring any more stability to the region? No. First of all, Iran, as you know, still plays a very important role, dominant role. The people of Iraq reject it, but the government, you know, only controls certain parts of the country. 
and you have uh, still the Iran using it as a base both for Syria and for uh, potentially as a base to attack Israel. Uh, so it's not um, it, it, we want stability in Iraq, and if they're willing to stand up, if their leaders are willing to stand up to the Iranian presence, as Bani Sadr did and others did recently, that would be very important. And uh, is it fair for Egypt to blame its economic collapse on the Ukraine-Russian war? Well, it's because they're so dependent on the Russia-Ukraine for the uh, wheat and the imports that they require. You know, it's a huge country. It's growing by a million babies every nine months. It's um, it's a poor country in, in many respects, um, historically and otherwise very rich. But uh, they need the import, and when the price has gone up so much, it has it takes a heavy toll. Um, the um, Israel is trying to help it with the energy sector and other ways involving Egypt. People recognize that the stability of Egypt is critical to the region, and therefore, hopefully, will others will step in. But there is assistance being given to Egypt by some of the Arab countries, and certainly Israel is very concerned. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Next week, uh, oh, big, big week in Chicago next week. Aside from Eitan Zuckerman Zofrov, it's also the uh, first post-COVID GA for the Federation, right? For Jewish Federations. If they are having a GA, it's a scaled-down one, but it's a yes, they're meeting in Chicago. There you go. And uh, see that? And then we got the big simcha in Chicago. My gosh, the center That's of the United States. That's the more important story. <laughs> you go. The center of the United States is the focal point <laughs> of next week. Amazing. Uh, we'll keep everyone up to date regarding the schedule for the weekly update, and I look forward to celebrating with you at the big simcha, and have a wonderful Shabbos. And, uh Amen. And we will speak whenever we speak. That's Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice, I should say, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time at the Weekly Update. I know, everybody, it's the... Uh the ad, between the out of town uh, Ufruf and the um, and the timing of the wedding, uh, we may be off a couple of weeks with the weekly update. But obviously, we'll update everybody and let everyone know what's going on here at JM in the AM uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. If you're in Israel, don't forget Election Day is coming up. Tuesday is officially Election Day. If you are in the United States, don't forget a week from Tuesday is Election Day. And no matter where you're voting, and no matter who you're voting for, it's important to vote. Get out there and vote. And we'll see what happens in Israel, and we'll see what happens with the uh, House and the Senate races here in the United States, plus some governor races, as we know, especially in New York. And uh, that's one of the ones that we are uh, watching carefully. And uh, other races as well. There's, uh, As Malcolm said, there's a lot more interest in this election this year than in most uh, non-presidential election years. Uh, I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. I, I was going to ask Malcolm about Adidas, and I just, um, I'd gotten off the Kanye topic by the time I saw the... Uh, uh, the comment, but yeah, the the Nazi ties to Adidas. I'm I'm completely confused about that. Not sure what the reality is, uh, but there have been a lot of articles about that over the last few days since this whole brouhaha began.